Welcome to Multiverse OQ, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form, I'm Luke, and joining me for the first time in a bit over a year ah. is, uh, are you just going by Strucci these days? Oh, no, oh, Sh Shannon Strucci is good. It wouldn't, everything wouldn't fit in my Discord handle anymore, <laughs> so... Yeah, you do have a long Discord handle, but I think you can do, like, channel-based settings. You can, but I'm in a bunch of different um, actual play Discord channels, and I'm just leaving it mm -hmm. as the default. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I've got a, my own project where I think I'm listed as uh, Luke, GM, then my pronouns. So. That's cool. It's a fun, fun world <laughs> of actual play podcasts, but that that is not what we are here to talk about tonight. No. We're here to talk about a movie. Yeah, or uh, another movie that ties into a movie that's coming out and that is getting pretty bad reviews. Ooh, I haven't been keeping up with it. How, how bad have the review, uh, reviews been? 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh no, that's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I'm still excited to see this movie. Maybe even more so because it is kind of a train wreck. Mm -hmm. But also, yeah, I, I think I just want to see where they went wrong because they took a bunch of recognizable Hellboy stuff, at least based on the commercials. Not sure how they went and made a cluster cuss of a movie, but. I think the director had been caught up in that whole, like, scandal there had been with, like, actresses using their connections to get roles in movies or something like that. I forget the exact way, but he came off as sort of a dingus in that article. Mm. I haven't. I should have looked at it before recording. I didn't know that there was all this, like, controversy. I knew people were talking about it, too, but like I said, I didn't realize that it was, like, that bad. Well, I mean, it had started off when they had initially cast a white guy to play an Asian character. And so at least they went back and were like, oh, no, we will not rob a Asian actor's role. Like, it was specifically the guy who had been announced for that role who gave it up for those reasons. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, there's at least that. So give them some points, but also, yeah, it's... It's going to be a fun time at the movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, we ended up watching the second Hellboy animated feature because we did Sword of Storms almost four years ago, like three and a half at this point. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy. I don't remember any of the plot of that movie, honestly. <laughs> I was like, I remember Hellboy stuff because I've read a little bit of the comics and I had seen that and seen I maybe, at least the first Del Toro movie. Enough to where I remembered who everybody was mm -hmm. um, and what they did, but not as far as how the plots of the two films tie together, if they tie together. Yeah, and I mean, the way that the movies work are kind of fascinating in that they got back all of the cast from the movie except for, um, I guess they replaced, uh, what's his name, who had been on Arrested Development. Um, Which one? Shoot. I don't remember. Which Arrested Development character? Uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah, he was sort of replaced by Jim Cummings in the movie, which mm. 
like that was one of the things of watching this movie is like oh hey here's all these voice actors who you recognize and also like the actors from the movie and also perry gilpin <laughs> do you want to like quickly go over the summary of the movie it was interesting because it starts with a fight in a sewer and you don't really full at least i didn't like really fully understand what was happening there until it, like that sort of element comes back at the end of the film as like the second climax i guess but just it involves uh there's a mean old vampire lady um who's been based on elizabeth bathory mm-hmm. who has been trapped in iron maiden by what's the old man character's name the professor uh, father lupescu or do you mean uh, Hellboy's dad? Hellboy's dad, the professor guy. Yeah, uh, Trevor Brutenholm, or Professor Broom. Yep, uh, Broom had trapped her in an Iron Maiden in 1939, and the I think you were talking about on tw- either to me or on Twitter the like the Trump analog character is trying to turn yeah. this house with her trap her and all the ghosts um, of people she's killed into like a funhouse tourist attraction. <laughs> Well, I, I think he was like, it's going to be a new hotel and casino. And it's like, uh, this is not that big of a house. It's in the Hamptons. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, and then, like, the guy's name is Oliver Trumbull. And they describe him as a buildings guy and a casino guy who inherited all of his money. And he comes off as a dingus. But he looks like sort of generic, like a generic 90s, early 2000s cartoon character. In he his does. design. He doesn't look like any of the Trump family. I guess that's how they, their main way of like avoiding getting sued. Like everything else is pretty dead on. He's like a little more a little goofier and more benign, just kinda like dumb mm-hmm. rich guy. He just wants to do it. and I thought yeah. he would end up being more of like a villain. I don't know if that was a, a red herring or not. Um, yeah, like the way that the movie paces things and the way that it sort of swerves you is interesting. Because, uh, like you said, they get invited to investigate this house where he's moved. Like, all the torture devices that Elizabeth Bathory used. And then, when the sun goes down, you got a bunch of ghosts who are showing up. Oh, especially later on in the movie, I thought the ghosts looked really cool when they were, like, the floating skulls with the bodies. I like their design a lot. Yeah, I took some... Uh, pictures with my camera of the TV because I did not think of a better way to do screen caps. (laughs) So, like, the main team of Hellboy, Liz Sherman, who has fire powers, and Abe Sapien, the fishman, get split up and they all have to fight their own sort of monsters and then it turns out that, oh, also they're resurrecting Hecate, the goddess of magic. And then Hellboy kills her. Yep. Oh, she turns into a snake and slithers into a small hole in the ground and disappears. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, I was like, she okay, she's also sensitive to the sun. Is he actually going to kill her in this? No. In the, the, you know, the second movie out of two animated movies? Did they make any more of these? They were going to make a third one that was going to have Bruce Campbell as Lobster Johnson, but they just did not end up doing it. It felt very like, ah, next time. 
she like slithered away and then I was like I don't think there was a next time <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah like most of, I thought it was, that was interesting too apart from the Trump analog most of the villains in this were women there's like the two harpies the vampire lady and and the goddess but I didn't I didn't get any like sexist or bad vibes from it I thought it was interesting because especially with the vampire she her whole uh, personality was based around her vanity but it was very it was like interesting and like consistent the way that they did it like in the flashback there's like a young woman who she kills later on but that's what's interesting too about this movie the flashbacks done in backwards order I like yeah. that let's get sidetracked for what I was saying I was like that was really cool I, I kind of want to know what it would have been like re or watching it for the first time because I sort of knew where everything was going mm-hmm. and I felt like it weirdly slowed things down or the way that they showed chunks of it some of it just felt a bit superfluous it's like oh okay well we've seen what happens when they kill the vampire in the castle but this is them initially getting to the castle and the priest is afraid and you find out later on why but I feel like that might have been able to be used on another scene later on. It could have been more like show don't tell. I do think it, it mm-hmm. slowed it down. I think it was a cool narrative experiment for a movie like this. Like they didn't necessarily have to do it. Um, I don't think they did it deliberately to lengthen it. I just I guess it's just sort of how it worked out. Um, but yeah, that there were parts where it's like, okay, I figured this happened, or like where he the priest is like, you should go get your dress fitted. When we just saw her go to get her dress fitted, it's like, okay. <laughs> There's some definitely strange, like, pacing choices that are made. Oh, I don't think we also mentioned right now, at least, you can go and just watch the movie on YouTube legally. Mm-hmm. That's definitely what I did. Just, like, I was like, oh, I'll have to pay $4 for it. That's fine. And I was like, oh, I, got, I don't. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. Because I think the first time that I watched both of the movies was back when they were still on Netflix. And and then I think like the second time that or the time that we watched the last one they were on Hulu. I think it was Hulu too. That's what I was thinking. Even though it's been like 3 yeah. years. Content it's <laughs> always changing, which is horrifying. Yeah, very, very not much. I mean, it's cool that it's free on YouTube, but just sort of having no control over where the media that you like is going to end up or if it's going to even be available. Yeah. Especially, like, if you bought it once, if it's no longer available on those systems, uh, what rights do you have, or did you just long-term rent it indefinitely? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope that Steam never collapses. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> the, the very, the vain vampire lady, the, the young woman makes a comment that she reminds her of her older sister, and she gets really upset. I thought that was a nice, subtle character moment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, even though you're, like, 200 years old, the fact that you only look, like, 26 or so is not enough. Mm-hmm. That kind of her, like, grasping need of, of youth and vitality. I, th- I think that added an element to the character other than her just being, like, a vain pretty lady or something mm-hmm. like that, which would have been a little more like, okay. Well, and then I think the other interesting thing is the uh, priest in here, Father Lupescu, who we find out, like, even though he accompanies them to initially kill the uh, vampire, like, he had been working for her because his faith had been diminished, and 
he's been struggling with it and when he finally tries to do the right thing it's too late he's just kind of screwed and he gets turned into a vampire who gets murdered with deer antlers mm-hmm. and i guess they never really find out it was him i know the metal de- detector guy saw that he had or like there was a shot of him coming into the room and then there's like the cross in the dead priest's mm-hmm. hand but i don't know if anyone ever figured out like oh yeah that wolf vampire creature was that old guy <laughs> not that it was that important to the plot no but yeah it's just one of those weird beats that isn't really a flaw but it, it's a weird sticking thing uh, yeah it could have been done differently but i don't know i i definitely enjoyed this movie and i'm sure it's better than the way the new one sounds <laughs> no part of it felt like bad or insulting it's like oh this is interesting let's see how this fight goes let's see how this goes to me at least yeah like it it uses some interesting pieces i think the biggest thing for me that was just catching a lot of the voice actors like uh rob polson uh who was like on the animaniacs and a bunch of other stuff like him showing up in here was just sort of a oh that's where i recognize that voice for uh sydney the metal detector guy oh i guess like yeah i i guess like subconsciously yeah or like uh jim cummings as tom manning though like jim cummings is one of those voices that uh have you watched uh okko OK at all no i'm I, I know of it but i haven't watched any of it like he's the main bad guy in there and it just gives me a lot more appreciation for like all the voices who he did growing up because he was like the voice of way the pooh for our generation this is just like the, the versatility wasn't he mm-hmm. the prince and princess and the frog was he somebody on a left? I'm trying to remember where I, what stuff I've seen him in. Because I recognize the name. Uh, Darkwing oh. Duck? Mmm. Just like, yeah, like, hella 90s stuff. Because this came out in 2006. Uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, w- it was a good variety of, like, name actors and then also, like, name voice actors. And they did a good job. I mean, I wasn't, like... I, I think the narrative didn't really lend itself to any kind of, like, particularly super funny or super dramatic voice, like, voice moments, acting moments. Mm-hmm. But they did well. Um, it wasn't, like, a super intense script emotionally. It was just sort of, like, action and ghost set pieces and flashbacks. Yep, and then burning some dogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, like, scorched their <laughs> meat off. And then they just had bones. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Like, I do appreciate that, unlike the Del Toro films actually gave her the ability to control her powers in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, when she was like, it, it was fine this time, I was like, oh, yeah, and, and that, at least I, had, I know I had seen the first movie. It's like, yeah, I remember it being a little different. Or I think it was a little different. It's been a long time since I've seen that, too. Um, I think that would have just slowed this movie down even more if that that was like an added element mm-hmm. yeah I feel like the only person from the team who of like the main trio who doesn't get a lot to do is Abe who mostly just gets he gets to steal that skull from the Minotaur at the beginning mm-hmm. which uh, was 
kind of fantastic. I was watching it on YouTube, and the captions both spell misspelled Daedalus and Hephaestus. <laughs> so it was Daedalus. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, like, he gets captured and then just gets bloodlet and then has to fight some harpies. And they're fi- he doesn't even fight him for that long. And they get away and then one of them gets killed by the goddess. <laughs> that was a pretty good scene. Yeah. And then the other just flies away at the end. <laughs> I like that too. It's like you just see this wide shot and she just flies off the roof and just leaves. I I feel like some movies would have just felt inclined to be like, oh, uh, we're going to shoot her now. And then like she gets killed and it's like, oh, that's everything nice and clean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like the the snake thing of, like, well, she'll be back in the next movie. It's like, no, she's just leaving. She's sad. Her sister's dead. And uh, she's just flying mm-hmm. off into the into the sunrise or whatever. Yeah, I, I like Abe a lot. And it's like, they got Doug Jones, but he, like you say, he just basically gets captured and gets, not even for, like, a particular purpose. They're just like, ooh, and they just, like, stab him. And then he fights them and leaves. Yeah. Oh, it's the guy with the weird blood. We weren't able to get Frazier's brother for this movie. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other final thoughts for this movie? Um, I would definitely recommend it for, like, like Hellboy fans or just fans of, like, mm-hmm. Car- like animated movies about vampires and ghosts. I don't know if it's something I would have gone out of my way to, to watch. Because like I said, it's not super emotionally affecting or super scary or anything like that. But it also was not mediocre or something that I felt like insulted by. Which I think if this had been in the, other hands, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. And while the animation isn't great, mm-hmm. it feels sort of like a lesser version of X-Men Evolution. Mm-hmm. Like, for the entire aesthetics. It's an alright movie to have on, even if you've seen it before. And I think there's enough surprises, even with what we've said, that you'll definitely get some enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm. I like some of the visual choices a lot. And then other parts were just pretty standard. There's a, a mm-hmm. fight scene where they're like, there's a fu- the whole room is red. It's like lit by the fire. Mm-hmm. That was cool. The skulls were cool. Like, I'll, I'll remember that. Like, that was pretty good. Cool. Well, uh, do you want to talk about what you've been up to recently for our <laughs> listeners? Uh, I've been, a, it's really different, uh, the stuff I have going on from the last time I was on. Uh, my friend, um, Joel Ruiz, who I know through Atlanta comedy stuff, like I've known him for a few years in person because he used to run this sketch comedy show that I would submit, uh, videos to. Uh, started an actual play podcast that I'm on, um, which is my first time. I mean, I've played a lot of tabletop stuff, uh, including on your show. But as far mm-hmm. as like committing to being a part of a show like that, especially like a, it's a, uh, we use the masks system, which is like powered by the apocalypse, and we mm-hmm. play teen superheroes. And as it goes on, especially, it kind of starts off as just sort of this like, um, I guess kind of like sardonic slapstick kind of goofy show and by the fourth or fifth episode Joel introduced this element of like gruesome body horror to it 
like really disturbing, like the how powers would go wrong, like Venture Brothers mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And oh, it's, yeah. it's been so fun to be a part of because we had no idea he was going to do that. And it's been doing pretty because we just started it in November and it's been doing pretty well. And we're looking into trying to do live shows and stuff like that. And we have nice. a, a big charity stream next weekend uh, where we're trying to raise money for a local like children's shelter in Atlanta. It's called Spider Day, based on this weird riff we did in the show. Joel's put a ton of work into making like a Spider Day bonus episode and having the whole weekend of tabletop streams. So yeah, that's what I've been uh, also still doing video essays and stuff, but uh, the show's called Critical Bits, and I've been spending a lot of time on that, and it's been super fun. Awesome. Uh, I played a one-shot of it for the uh, superhero actual play that I do. Mm-hmm. But that was really not enough time to like do a lot of the relationship development that Masks is really based on. Mm-hmm. It's very like there's a huge emphasis on being teenagers, and you're still figuring yourself out, and you get influence over each other, and you can shift each other's stats. Your like labels or adults can influence adults automatically have influence over you, so it's like that sort of fun teen drama element to it versus Mm -hmm. the heroics and then again joel's with our show there's like a very weird dark uh dark comedy body horror aspect to it as well which i guess is also natural when you're like a teenager (laughs) and stuff is like terrifying and confusing um and even more so when there's like superpowers involved but i enjoy the game it's it's weird playing that than going back to my regular D &D games i do with my friends because D &D is so much more complicated (laughs) i like both games um but you get different things out of them. Absolutely. Masks is more... Because, yeah, the system... Um, it's the only Powered by the Apocalypse game I've played, but I, I guess a lot of them are like this, where it's like you roll 2d6s and you either pass, fail, or have a mixed success. And that's the mm-hmm. whole way that dice rolling works in the game, and the, D, the GM does not roll dice. So it's just like... Versus having this whole set, and they all have different things that they do, and everything like that. It's very, very different, and more like, like you said, um, relationships focused and how your character progresses and changes uh which is i I like that i do find that for me more interesting than like a superhero power fantasy kind of thing which i really am not interested in for me personally playing a game oh yeah no i understand that have you um heard of monster of the week we're at i'm actually going to be on a monster of the week one shot next wednesday be my first time playing it we're doing that's the spider day part of the spider Special. day thing yeah that's it it's on spider day we did like without completely sidetracking your podcast we had a riff uh, there's a character that's afraid of spiders and we had to explain why we had a bunch of fake plastic spiders and we started doing this riff of like a giant spider attack the city like a hundred foot tall spider and a bunch of heroes tried to fight it and they all got killed and it got defeated by a second larger spider that came and killed it <laughs> so what joel has done and it's like the tagline is there's always a bigger spider which our friend Kevin Mm -hmm. came up with. Joel has made, the GM, is now working on a Spider Day bonus episode with over 30 guest players, where nine different teams are each getting killed, um, attacking the first spider. We all get killed. Um, We got a bunch (laughs) of guest players on it. We got, like, uh, Brandon Leon Gambetta, who's, like, a part by that. He's, like, made some games. We got Mm H-Bomb... And Branson Reese and Philosophy Tube were on a team. It's just really weird. Um, and I don't want to spoil it. Like, me and the other regulars on the show also did a, a team, and we all got killed by the spider. Every single person got killed in some way or another. Joel, it, he basically would just run a 30-minute 
uh, one shot with each group, nine different groups of people. It's like, you're going to die terribly. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. And he's editing together, like, hours of footage. He did this to himself. I think it's going to be awesome, but it's so much work, and he's going crazy. He started talking about how he has spiders for teeth, and I told him I'm quitting the podcast because <laughs> he needs to stop saying that. And then uh, we have a Discord, and there's, like, a emoji now of his face with spider legs for teeth, and it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Anyway, that's, like... <laughs> anyway, we're also turning that into a big charity event next weekend and hoping we can use Spider Day to do some good in the world after this stupid riff about a giant spider. The giant, the second spider came and killed it and then just left. <laughs> that's the whole... <laughs> and that's why that in our current... It's sort of, like, also, like, a retcon explanation of, like... In the game we play, there aren't a lot of heroes. It's a very, it's very villain heavy, and there's like a fascist secret police, and it's really rough. It's like, well, a lot of the heroes got killed 15 years ago on Spider Day. <laughs> we have to remember them. Anyway, I love this stupid show so much. That's what I've been doing. Instead of making serious documentary video essays, I've been uh, role playing in this game. Well, I really want to check that out now as a person who enjoys those sorts of systems and yeah uh where else can people find you as we sort of wrap this thing up uh i'm on twitter at plenty of alcoves and on youtube at stretchy movies if you look up uh so you want to be a film nerd or fake friends or my two main series fake friends is about parasocial relationships and again the the podcast is called critical bits it's a uh, joel's twitter account it's critical Bitcast, um where he those updates about the show and you can find us on like spotify itunes all the different whatever outlets for podcasts we're up to 11 episodes now which isn't a ton but uh we'll see spider day comes out next one april 17th is spider day so that's when that episode whatever poor joel whatever editing he's doing on that massive thing i'm so excited to hear it. all the stupid stuff i've heard about how 35 people die um, i'm excited <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, my normal co-host for the show, Devin, can be found on Twitter at, at FredoFett. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. Uh, I have a live panel presentation coming up at Jim City Comic Con in beautiful Dayton, Ohio, with Zach from Xavier Files, where we are going to be discussing uh, constructive deconstruction, looking at the good and bad comics. So uh, that's going to be an interesting time. You can find me on Twitter at, at Coltreg, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. And Multiversal Q is currently updating on alternating weeks as Multiversal Q, where we are covering every story in the Ultimate Universe. Coming up this Sunday, we are covering Ultimate Iron Man, which is really bad because it is all about how Tony Stark's brain is his... Or, yeah... It's all about how Tony Stark's brain is all throughout his body because a monkey bit his mom. And so he has to be covered in blue goo. Mmm, comics. Iron Man! Iron Man! Yeah, it's uh, a story so bad that they were like, oh, no, this is just what the anime that Tony Stark made about his life is. <laughs> also, there's going to be Ultimate Venom. Uh, you can find more... more you can find more out about the podcast at multiversalq.com or ultiversalq.com. We also have a Facebook, Twitter, all that fun social media jazz. And uh, thank you for listening. We will have another movie tie-in coming up for Avengers for Return of the Avengers. So look out for that. Uh, 
thank you again for coming on the show, Shannon. Thanks for having me on. It was fun, fun to watch mm-hmm. another Hellboy movie and talk yep. about it. Well, hey, maybe if this one gets a sequel, <laughs> we'll watch the Del Toros or whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know about the new one, but I would definitely watch the Del Toro one again. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, until next time, this one's for Hank. Peace.